Hey folks, welcome to the Creative Language Learning Podcast with Kirsten Ammers. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 15 of the Creative Language Learning Podcast. Today I have a great interview with a fellow German for you and we're going to talk about all things German, keeping your mind agile and whether adults are good language learners too. <laughs> but before we start with the podcast, I want to share a new fluent product with you guys. Now, this one is specifically for the language teachers among you. I know so many of us want to share our love of languages through teaching online. And as someone who's been doing this for three years, I can tell you it has lots of great advantages. You get to make new friends, you get to work from anywhere, you get to do what you like doing, you get to talk about languages all day long and help people. However, one thing I noticed when I conducted my 50 calls project for people wanting to make money with their languages last year was this. Teachers kept asking me how they can, how they can get more students. And that's very surprising because so many of us want to learn languages, but this market is busy and lots of people don't know how to put their offer out. They go on exchange website, language exchange pages, agencies, you start competing on price. And before you know it, it's this sort of pointless fight to make any money at all and you stop teaching. And that's one good teacher lost to the world. So if you're caught in this problem, here is a way to break out of the cycle. And that's by working on your personal brand. Branding is so important for online teachers. I can't tell you enough about it. It's, it's the heart of all your marketing. So here's what I've got. I've got the Savvy Brand Toolkit for online teachers, specifically written to suit your needs. And this features free stages in handbooks, videos, templates, and it's a full path that I've used to build my own teaching brand and build, tell people what I believe in. I believe that you can work through this toolkit, really get a much better identity that sets you apart, shows you how to create more valuable lessons, and ultimately, you can charge more. So if this sounds right up your alley, here is the link. You can get 20% off when you use the code PODCAST today. That's www.fluentlanguage.co.uk slash teachers. Just click on the link to buy on there, put your code in, the code is PODCAST, and off you go to better online teaching at 20% off. Right, and after that public service announcement, thank you guys very, very much for tuning in to Creative Language Learning Podcast episode 15. Let's talk about the article of the week. In the article of the week this week, we're back with The Guardian, and this week they've had a wonderful article called Multilingual Families, Even Our Dog Uses Free Languages. And this article is about parents in bilingual homes and tips and experiences shared from various bilingual parents tell us how this actually works in real life. The article emphasizes that today almost one in five children in UK primary schools has a mother tongue other than English. And for me, as a, a German expat in the UK and somebody who may one day look at growing a family together, this has been really, really interesting. Bilingualism does really matter. It can give your kids a m massive step up. I mean, if I only need to refer you to episode 13, where we talk to Becky Morales, who is bringing five kids up bilingually. You can do this anywhere. You could do it in Texas. You could do it in Cambridge. It doesn't matter. 
And a few of the experiences that a few people are sharing here is uh, there's a guy called Uri Baruch. He's from Cambridge. He says, we Skype our Israeli families in Hebrew on a Friday night. And this is a great way of really helping your kids not just engage with the Hebrew language, but also with family heritage and keeping in touch as Israeli expats with the family. So speaking Hebrew to the daughter, but using songs, stories and books to really give children a language and a full sense of the culture is so, so important. Um, and the education system doesn't really do enough for you there. So you really, if you are a speaker of, say, a minority language, something like Lit Lithuanian or Finnish, you've got to do your own work. You've got to work hard. Um, or we've got another story, which I really love this from Pri. So I'm just going to read this out. I grew up in India speaking Hindi and English. My husband, Christopher, is also bilingual. He grew up in Stockholm speaking Swedish with his mother and English with his British father. And when we moved to the UK and had our two boys, we agreed that Christopher would speak to them in Swedish and I would speak to them in Hindi. And she says, maybe it's surprising, but we've never had any problems. The boys talk to and respond to us in our mother languages, have completely adjusted in their heads and for family conversation when we're all together, for example, at mealtimes, we just use English. Uh, even our dog Melman uses all of our languages. He understands walk in Hindi, mealtimes in English, and at night we take him out for a wee in Swedish. <laughs> So it doesn't really, if a dog can do it, I'm pretty sure your family and you can do it too. This really wonderful and encouraging and fun article about multilingual families and the different aspects of life that it brings to you. So from a multilingual family, I am going to move on to our interview, which is with a multilingual lady, Angelica Davy. Okay, so I'm here with my guest now for episode 15 and today I am talking to a fellow German lady, a German tutor um, and she's like me, a native German who is living in the UK and working on helping people by what spreading the message of the wonderful German language and culture. Her name is Angelika Davy. Angelika, hello! Hello, how are you? I'm, I'm well, I'm well, and I was wondering whether you could introduce yourself and tell people a little bit about the blog and website that you run and just the work that you do. Okay, so as you already said, I'm Angelica, and um, eight, no, nearly nine years ago, eight and a half years ago, I uh, decided to start working for myself and I've started Angelica's German Tuition and Translation. And a few years later, I was told, come on, you need to write a blog. And I thought, I don't really know what I'm doing there, but um, I thought, okay, I'll do it. And I found out I actually enjoy it so much. Um, I've been writing my blog now for the last four or five years um, with lots of tips about how to learn German, where to find good online resources, especially where to find free resources, and sometimes things about Germany and whatever I find which is useful. Mm -hmm. oh, what did you do before you became a German teacher or an independent German tutor? Did you work in schools? I, uh, I'm actually a qualified primary school teacher. Mm -hmm. I, I I studied to become a social teacher in Germany, and when I came to England, I couldn't do anything with it. 
Then I found out that I could do a PGCE to become a primary school teacher, which I did. And as much as I loved working with the little ones, and I still do now, I didn't really like teaching things like science and math and art. Art was my f- least favourite subject. I liked doing languages, doing after-school clubs and teaching English and things like this. So I, I gradually moved away from primary schools and ended up at a secondary school, but didn't really like teaching children who don't want to learn German. A class of 30 kids who couldn't care less whether they know any German or not, uh, or a group of a few adults who are paying me because they want to learn German. Yeah, uh, It's a bit of a no-brainer. So I've started to work for myself. And now, although I teach children as well, I mean, I teach any ages between four at the moment and 70, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, all the people I teach now, they want to learn German. And it's, it's such a difference. So much nicer. Mm, that brings me to a really interesting question, which is that sort of the continuous myth and that endless thing about children being the better language learners. And I, I often say, if you're an adult and you've actually chosen to do it, I think you're capacity for language learning your your place in you know you're at that point in your life where you actually want to do this um you're going to be so much better you're going to perform better um but for you as somebody who has worked with you know different children and adults and different age groups because i'm not so experienced with kids what do you think makes a good language learner do you think it's age or do you think it's attitude I think attitude is the main thing. I mean, I've, like you, I've I've read lots of articles where they're saying like, oh, you need to learn it when you're a, a child at primary school and uh, adults don't learn that well. And then you hear that actually adults do learn very well. And I think the main thing is you want to learn it. If you don't want to learn, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's a language or anything else, if you're not interested in it, then you're not learning it. Yeah, yeah. And adults, adults who are deciding I want to learn German in my free time, they will learn it. Absolutely, absolutely. And they will learn it in even the smallest amount of free time. Yeah. So I have whatever time they have. Yes, exactly. I have students who really, you know, work a full-time job, have a rich family life, get engaged in their community and they do singing and they do you know, exercise and CrossFit and all kinds of stuff. And still they're learning German and they're learning French and they're learning foreign languages. And it is just, you know, it, 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 it's, we're, we're busting basically two myths here. You're never too old and you're never really too busy. But what you can be is just too uninterested. And I think that's fine, but you, you have to admit to it. Exactly. And, and also, lately, I see a lot of articles where they're saying that um, learning a foreign language, for example, is uh, good in, in hopefully not getting dementia or Alzheimer's or anything like this. So that's another very good point for older people, which children wouldn't care a lot about anyway. No, that's true. <laughs> like, I'm not worried about dementia yet, even, and I'm sort of at the, I don't know, on the youngish end of life. I started thinking about it. I, I don't feel I'm not that old yet either, but it is something that sort of, 
comes up more and more and and when you uh, uh, I was nearly I nearly said when you come to my age but uh, <laughs> I, I have friends who who are in their 60s 70s and and sometimes you do hear these stories now that they're saying oh so and so has got dementia and and so and so is struggling with Alzheimer's and that and and so you do think about it the older you get that's really interesting and really powerful and have you noticed in yourself that building those connections and learning foreign languages and being essentially bilingual in the way that we both are, uh, do you think it keeps your mind agile in you yourself? I think it does. I mean, I, I, I find more and more, I've, I've noticed the longer I'm living in England, um, the more I sometimes forget German as well. I'm really grateful I'm teaching it so that I don't forget it too quickly. Uh, but yes, you have to stay with it, even if it is only a few minutes every day or the short time, whatever anybody may have. Yes, that's most certainly true. Now, how did you, when and why and how did you move to England? How did that happen? Oh, I married a soldier. A long <laughs> time ago. In 1982, I've... I remember when I, I found out the year that I lived the same amount of time in England than I did in Germany. That was quite scary. Uh, so I've now lived longer in England than I ever have in Germany. Mm -hmm. Wow. And what is it like to be dating a foreigner in the 80s? Oh, crikey, I can't remember. I do remember, I, I remember the first time we went out, with, there was two couples of us, um, two soldiers, me and an English girl. And the English girl told me afterwards that she was having the conversation with her date and she was listening in to our conversation as well because my English wasn't very good and he was speaking so slowly. She was able to catch up on both, which embarrassed me immensely afterwards. <laughs> Yes, but, but he uh, probably spoke no German at all, is that right? Oh no, he didn't speak any German, no, of course not. No, we wouldn't expect somebody else to learn a language that isn't English. <laughs> oh, don't start me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole, yes, well, I'll, I'll come back to that later then if we want to talk about that for a little bit, because it's always interesting. But, I, I mean, as we're both sort of, you know, part of an international couple, and I was... Uh, lucky I guess because I met my future husband in England and I was very fluent in English even when I moved here I, I just did well in English always in school and really liked it um, but I still feel cultural barriers and it is, must have been so much stronger sort of back in your day so how was it how, how did your parents for example react to you dating a foreigner is that an issue that came up no, I remember my dad saying at the time, I mean, especially because my, my then boyfriend was a soldier as well. Um, so at the time, my dad said, well, I would have preferred a German civil servant who works from nine to five than an English soldier who may go off or anything like this. But um, no, actually, they then thought, oh, well, we can have cheap holidays. So that, that was okay. <laughs> yes. And what was it like to move to England with him? What made you decide to... To follow him, was there ever a question or did you dream of moving abroad anyway? I did. I I was on, on holidays in England um, uh, a year before, I think. 
I met quite a lot of English students when I was studying in Dortmund and I then got a train ticket and uh, travelled around the UK to meet them all. And I said afterwards, I said, oh, I'd love to live in England. I just felt so at home here. And so there was never really a question whether I would move to England or not. I knew I wanted to live in England. Actually, as, as, a, as a child, there was a time once where uh, my dream was to make every English person like the German language. I must have read something somewhere because I don't know where that idea came from. Oh, no, but I've, I just I've got the same dream and, oh, God, I don't know, maybe we're just very naive. Yeah, I just wanted everybody to like the German language. And, uh, <laughs> so, and then, then I wanted to be an air hostess and a famous singer and whatever else little girls want to be. Although nowadays it's princess, I think, isn't it? Mm. So uh, in a way, I'm really pleased. I'm working towards that dream. I don't think I will ever fulfill it completely, but at least I'm having a stab at it. Mm -hmm. and, and do you feel as a sort of, I okay I for me I found that before I started teaching German I never really felt like this sort of cultural ambassador for Germany and this kind of I remember as a teenager even not discovering the history of Germany and the the very terrible aspects of the history of Germany and you go through a period of being almost ashamed and then moving here um, obviously there's the football rivalry, there is the two world wars and one world cup mentality and Brits, you know, I mean, this is not, this is not every single Brit, but it, you know, people, there is, there is a kind of collective attitude sometimes to you being German that they, they always feel that they want to say something because we are better at football, by the way, can I just say that? Um, so for me, I just, I just, never had this sense of being the like in myself a German cultural ambassador until I started teaching it and then suddenly I completely got it and I felt so strongly like exactly like you know like, I want to make people really like this language I want people to stop saying it sounds harsh I want people to stop saying it's difficult I want people to love this and I just wonder you know did this come in you did you always feel like that and that's why you teach or did you teach and then it came to you Hmm. I don't know. I, I think it's both, really. I, I, like I said, when I was teaching at primary schools, uh, I, I realised that although I loved working with the children, I preferred teaching anything language, whether it was learning English or the, the English lessons they had or, or we, we did an after-school club with German. And I wasn't very keen on, on teaching math and, and all the other subjects you have to teach at a primary school. And I think mm -hmm. that's why I sort of moved towards languages, really, uh, because I just love teaching. Well, in, the, in my case, of course, German, although I know other languages are also available. Uh, so it's, it's, it's nice to teach languages. But I, I think the, the, the German ambassador effect is, is it's an added bonus that I can uh, tell people nice things about Germany. And, and yeah, like you said... Apart from that, we're better at football. Yeah, well, it's just a fact, I think. <laughs> it's okay. Sorry, this is. I've just lost all my English listeners. <laughs> um, but okay, do, what reasons would you give people to why German learning is the best? Like, like German learning. Let's just say German learning is awesome, and to encourage people to take up German. What are kind of your main things that you tell people why they should bother with this language? 
do you know, I've never, ever done that. Right. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm, always, I'm always very, I always see the other side and I always realise that some people do say, well, actually, I prefer French or any other language. And I say, well, OK, as long as you learn a language, really. Yeah, true. Uh, the reason why German is the best, of course, is because we're biased. That's really the only reason. But no, but it also depends on why people want to learn a foreign language. Mm-hmm. I think if you if you if if you want to go to South America on holidays, then learning German is probably not the best language. But uh, if you want to come to a German speaking country, or especially business wise, I find a lot of my students uh, need German for work. Yes, which the schools seem to forget. I find a lot of schools now they stop teaching German um, because it's so difficult, apparently, or mm. whatever. And, yeah, so they'll and... teach Chinese instead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, a lot of business clients now, they're saying, well, we're dealing with a lot of companies in Germany. And um, so then why learn another language? Mm, I, I agree with that. And I have also had several clients, even in my little northern outposts, where there really isn't that much international interaction. Germany is one of the main trade partners of the UK. And I've had people always saying to me, I wish I could talk more to people in meetings and speak their language. Um, there is that wonderful quote from, is it Willy Brandt? Um, the former German chancellor that we can, we can kind of dig out where he says, um, if, I'm, if you are buying from me, then I'm going to speak your language. But if you want to sell me something, then müssen Sie Deutsch sprechen. <laughs> yeah, I've, actually I've, I've got that on my website. If I'm selling to you, I speak your language. If I'm buying, then müssen Sie Deutsch sprechen. Exactly. If I'm buying, and exactly, I I always find that that is the the one thing that really annoys me here is when people saying, "Why do I need to learn a foreign language? Uh, they all speak English." And that applies to any other country; it doesn't have to be German. And they seem to forget that the only reason why the others speak English is because they're learning a foreign language. <laughs> and and. It they don't they don't see it, not all of them luckily, but so many they're saying, well, why should I learn German? Why should I learn French? Why should I learn Spanish? They all speak English. It's like but, yeah, they weren't born speaking English. <laughs> they didn't grow up speaking English. It's actually really they hard. All made, they've all made the effort, and some really well, and others not so well. But they all made the effort, and and I think that's the least we can do here is make the effort, even if the German person is fluent in English, just to address them in German or or, or yeah, you know, even if it's only a few sentences. I always say that could be the deal breaker. If you go over to Germany to to uh, have some business with somebody, yeah, by just making the effort, even if it's only a few sentences, that could be the difference between them signing on the dotted line or not. Absolutely, absolutely. It sounds, when you say it abstractly, it sounds crazy, but I have seen people's faces light up when I have asked for the bill in terrible Polish and I noticed my server was Polish and they were so excited at just about somebody noticing oh my god you, you speak Polish and I have to go uh, yeah that, that was it that was it my Polish but it, it doesn't matter you, you you open up the conversation about on a different level and it's just it's about mutual respect and it's about being aware these people have a different language these people have a different culture and I am I am demonstrating my interest and my respect. Exactly. 
So I, I completely and utterly agree with you. And this brings me to an interesting point for individual learners, because I know that a lot of people in the sort of fluent community, a lot of people who read my blog, um, are interested in learning several foreign languages and they're kind of wondering how to get better. Um, and just to highlight one thing that you said earlier, it, you really can just learn three sentences and you're still gonna have that effect. So, you know, don't always feel that you have to be perfect. Don't fall victim to your own perfectionism. If you only know five sentences, if you only know five words, say them anyway, it doesn't matter. Because exactly. that's, that's what opens the door. But the other thing that I sort of have in my mind is really the idea of language choices and what it is that influences if you're an adult and you're just learning for yourself, for your own, um, you know, if, if you, you're taking on a new hobby or you want to challenge yourself and or, or you want to boost your brain power, as we said earlier, and sort of, you know, build, keep your mind agile, um, a lot of people kind of get stalled before they even really start by going which language should I learn which is the best language to learn and I was wondering whether you had any thoughts on that on language choices and what what should realistically what is a good way to go about choosing the language you're learning yeah I've seen that question quite a few times for people saying oh I want to learn a new language and uh, which one shall I use or I've seen the question um uh, I'm studying this and this, and um, I want to move abroad, but where shall I go? <laughs> and that, and, and, and my, my answer is always, well, have a really good think of what you want to do with your language. Do you want to learn a language because you want to go skiing? Yeah, then German could be a good choice. Yeah, because you can go to Austria to go skiing. Do you want to learn a new language because you want to lie on the beach in the sun? then Germany may not be the best choice. <laughs> yeah, we do well, have we, beaches, we, we, but we you know. We do have beaches, but not that many. And uh, it's probably not always quite as nice and warm um, as it would be in the south of France or the south of Spain or any of those countries. Yeah. <laughs> but um, do you want to learn a new language? Uh, do you want to learn a language because... Um, you want to read books in that language, then it depends on what type of books are you interested in. So there, there are so many questions they need to, to ask themselves or they could ask themselves to sort of narrow it down. They could almost make a tick list. Yeah, I like, oh, I like, I like, um, I like German history. Oh, well, that would be a good idea then to learn German. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it really is about... What, what are you personally interested in? And I, I do think there is a sort of psychological aspect in the type of person who really enjoys challenging themselves. And I have found that a lot of my students, they're exactly that type of person. So, you know, they like pushing themselves. They like sort of pushing their horizons, um, which sometimes means, to pe means people oversubscribe themselves and start learning Swahili, Albanian, Chinese, Cantonese and um, Japanese all together. And you sort of think, okay, okay, you got anything else in your life that you want to achieve this week? Um, and it's, it, I, I find that too ambitious. I like recommending that people kind of go a slow way and really engage with the culture. Uh, and that's sort of what you're saying. But there is also that aspect of somebody who wants to really push themselves. So, well, yes. Yeah. I, Do you I come across those guys as well? No, actually, I've probably only one. Normally, I, I've not that I remember, or at least they haven't told me. 
um, maybe they're too scared to tell me that they're learning other languages as well. But no, I, I, I don't think I have. Majority of my students are learning German. Um, there are the odd one or two who, who've, who have learned another language beforehand and then realize that actually they wouldn't mind catching up with that again. Um, but generally, it's, it seems to be the one language they're doing. Mm-hmm. And then I have I had the odd student who says, well, I've done my German bit now. I really would like to do some Spanish now, so I'm going to stop learning German. Um, whether that means they've just stopped having lessons, uh, hopefully it doesn't mean they're completely um, abandoned their German because then it will disappear. Mm. But that that's a really interesting question that I wanted to ask you about as well. So, do you teach? Are you are your students mostly groups or do you teach one to one? Are they adults? Are they kids? Do you have a specific group that you teach? I've got all sorts of things. I'm teaching two groups of children at the moment. I've got a group of um, nursery school children. I'm actually teaching for half an hour at a nursery school where I'm the German lady. And they're telling me they're no German. They're, they're wearing clothes in a German colour, which is just blue and red and green and yellow. But they think the English colours are different. And uh, I've got a group of primary school children mm-hmm. as well, although um, their mums are German. Ah, and yes. uh, the school is actually teaching um, a, a, another, I think they're doing Spanish, I'm not too sure. Um, but the, the mums wanted the children to learn German properly, not just speaking at home. So we're having that. And then I have uh, groups of adults. Um, I've got one-to-one. I also have uh, uh, quite a few students who are actually teaching themselves. And they're just having uh, monthly lessons with me or even the odd one or two just to keep keep stock on what they're learning. And so they have somebody who they can ask when they come across something that doesn't matter how many times they read it, they haven't got a clue what it means. Mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting. How do they go about teaching themselves? What, what have you, what have you found? What have you seen that really works for them? It it depends on what level they are. I've 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 had one student who uh, started as a beginner and used the teach yourself German book, and uh, is working through that. And we have a lesson once a month, and I'm absolutely astonished how well he's doing completely on his own mm-hmm. how old is he and sorry how old is he oh i don't know <laughs> because i'm 15 45 no 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 it's, <laughs> sorry it's a skype lesson so i don't actually know no he's he's an adult uh-huh, yes. uh, it, it is just working extremely well but again he wants to learn german and he's making time um I don't know whether it's every day or several times a week to work through. And he gets a reminder email from me once a week. He doesn't have to reply to it, but it's just a nudge, really, to remind him, you know, she's checking up on you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, so I have some other uh, students like that as well, but they're not, not beginners. So it depends on at what level they are. But they are working on their own, but they know they can ask me um, if there are any problems. I think that is absolutely excellent and, and definitely something I'm I'm actually taking inspiration from that and I might adapt it and sort of start offering something similar because I really like supporting and encouraging that uh, teaching teaching yourself because I often say, you know, as a teacher, I often feel that you can't really teach people anything. People just learn. 
you know, and either you are there and you happen to have that wonderful moment where they actually get it while you're in this in the room, or you don't. Exactly. You know, you, you can explain stuff, but it's not like a teacher explaining things to you doesn't guarantee that that means you've learned it. No, and 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 working it on your own doesn't mean that that doesn't work either. Mm-hmm. Although I I know a lot of people uh, um, probably they I've I've had people saying to me, "Do you think I can do it on my own?" And I said, "Well, if you put the effort in it, the majority of people who work on their own, they buy these wonderful books, and I think I've got a few in my wardrobe as well. Teach yourself Spanish, I think, or yeah. teach yourself." whatever and I've looked at it a few times and um, then it's gone back into the cupboard because life got in the way with all sorts of other things and um, Mm. I like the idea of of being there for them I'm quite happy for my students to teach themselves uh, but they know that they either do it on, on a regular monthly hourly session or even as and when they know if they need help because they've come across something that they can't make sense of, um, I'm only a Skype call away. Yeah, and I love how that shifts the responsibility and the the agency, the power, back onto the learner. Because I think yeah. I think as as sort of language teachers, I don't and, and this is one of the wonderful advantages that I really believe that we have as private, independent language teachers who don't you know, have to prepare somebody for a specific exam in school that's definitely happening this summer. Um, we don't have to follow a set curriculum. No one's really checking up on us. We can go at the speed that the student needs. We can work with the student on exactly what they require and what they want us to do. And if all that you, if if the main reason they hire a teacher is not just for your expertise, but also for their own accountability and their own commitment, because you know somebody's here is my accountability partner, is checking on me. I think that is so powerful and so great and really something that it's a whole new approach to teaching and learning, which, which you know, to use a, that tired expression, flips the classroom, really does flip the classroom because the power is with the learner. And they know they can ask you and you're just here to help. And I love that. Yeah, I do as well. I, I, I think it's great. And I think the, the, the shift generally is moving away a bit from people. People don't seem to want to commit themselves anymore to weekly yeah. or whatever lessons. As much as I like teaching in the groups I have, um, there are so many people nowadays. They're saying, "Oh, I, I can't do every Monday evening, or I can't do a Wednesday, or, or, well, actually, a lot of people are like me. I teach all sorts of uh, hours. It, it's very difficult for me to commit myself to do something once a week on a certain time. And so many people are like this nowadays. And it's just nice for them to do it when they have the time." whether that's first thing in the morning or late in the evening or five minutes here and five minutes there. But if they need me, they can still ask me the questions. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I, I, this is why I don't offer live group classes anymore here in Lancaster, because I found that it is just for a private provider where you don't have the funding that perhaps the sort of council funded, thank God they are there, um, institutions get you just can't you just can't keep it going because people aren't ready to commit to a 10 week 
course. And if you can't do people, if you can't offer people a ten week course, you kind of can't really, you can't really help a group move forward if they're not all there. And it's really difficult for you as a teacher to. To, to move through so to have this sort of I've experimented in the past as well with something called German study club where essentially I didn't follow a curriculum and I just had a point of grammar that is important or a point of vocabulary that is important and people popped into my house but this helped them just come in with bring questions from their own learning and just get a little bit of a lesson and just something that they can take away and can work on for the next two or three weeks and that also worked very very well so I think you are doing I, I think it's amazing I think you're really really innovating and students you know there's a reason you've got a response to that as well no oh, thank you <laughs> I don't know what to say to that <laughs> It's 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 it's, it's an I mean, exciting it's exciting as well. I still have got some groups as well, not many, but I have still got some groups, mm -hmm. and it's really nice to to meet them as well, and and work in groups. But I think generally it's going to be more and more online and teach yourself, and um, I'm happy with that. Yeah, how long I'm have you been teaching people online? Need me? Yeah, we can still have lessons in that, and I think it works. Mm. Sorry, <laughs> I interrupted you. Then, how long have you been teaching online for? No, uh, on online, um, I've I've got a, a one course on uh, on Udemy, which I think you have as well. You've got some there, haven't you? Yeah, I've got a French grammar but, course. Yeah, but apart from that, I, it's 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 Skype what I do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, it's Skype calls or or real face to face. And um, but I'm I'm hoping to do more courses on Udemy online courses because I think that's the way pe things are going. People want to to learn something whenever they have the time, and that doesn't really matter to me. Then what time they look at the things, which country they're in. The one problem with Skype is, of course, when you um, I have got a Skype student in Canada. And uh, so we're always looking out for the for the time difference, and uh, we actually nearly missed a lesson last week because they changed the clocks and we haven't. Yes. And it's all things like this, and sometimes it makes it even more difficult uh, depending on where they are. Whereas if you have an online course, well, they can access that at any time, even if I'm asleep. If they ask me a question, I may have to answer a little bit later, but. Um... <laughs> They can at least access it. You are there, and people, I think, really appreciate as well that it's one payment, and then you've done it. You know, like you've, you, they don't. Again, this commitment um, is is not really what a lot of people are interested in at the moment. And a lot of language learners really appreciate that. Okay, I can just give you this much money for this course, and I will work through these at my own pace. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so tell me a little bit more. I wanted to ask about your blog. And I mean, you've already said that, you know, you've been doing it for years and years and years and you really enjoy doing it. So what kind of articles do you post and what kind of articles do you like writing and what do people enjoy? What would you recommend? Where should people start? Oh, <laughs> I think that depends on, again, what, what they are looking for. I'll, I'll try to sort of do a variety of things. So I don't want to, to always um, write about the same things. But um, quite often 
I uh, um, look at other sites where people offer things for free or sometimes they may cost a little bit because uh, especially if those people who are learning themselves or even those who do have groups, I always find if you want to do some extra revision, there's nothing worse than reading your textbook and reread it again and again and again. So anything you can find uh, um, as an extra aid is always good and I'll try those things out the websites or the activities and if I like them I then write about them so that other people can use them as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's definitely true. I think I think it's a really interesting and I think I really would, would definitely recommend your blog as well because I think there's this real you know the German cultural ambassadorship I guess that really comes through. Thank you. I mean, I, I, I wrote a post on, on Monday, which I, I, I found my old parking disc. Oh, parking Oh, Yeah, and uh, because we used them here in devices as well, and then they stopped using them, and most people bent them, and I just came across it again. And, uh, and I thought, oh, well, I said, they're still using them in Germany. I quite liked reading, writing about that. I even found a site where you can make your own now that was new, that was new to me as well. I was most intrigued, and then I, I, I clicked on the link, and I thought, "Oh, you can actually print out this Parkscheibe, and you can stick it together, and then you have your own, so you can be prepared when you go to Germany. You don't have to go to and and to any DIY uh, a store or go and find one where you have to buy it. Then yeah, you don't have to buy life insurance where they give you one as a freebie. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. So it's it, things like that. I absolutely love writing about it when, when I find uh, things. Or uh, another post I really enjoyed was uh, when, when the new Paddington Bear film came out and I found some trailers and then found some old Paddington films. And I thought, oh, this is perfect on YouTube. Perfect for... for Learn not learning German, obviously, but to, to practice the German you've learned and see how much do you understand. They're always nice short films and they're easy. And, and things like this, I, I absolutely love writing about. Yes. Oh, they, I think it's really, really interesting and really great to kind of be able to share a little bit more of that insight into... And I think to, if you share the German quirks, the Austrian quirks, the Swiss quirks, it, it really keeps the language alive and it stops it stops people from sinking into that technical um, sort of I always think of it as almost like this sort of technical how do I achieve fluency I want to have a conversation you know blah 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 and it just becomes this sort of it's it, to me it feels very dry and it feels just so much more exciting when you when you have a little bit more uh, you know, quirkiness in there. So I, I really enjoyed, we did Language Book Club in at the end of January and I spoke to Jared Romy who talks about the different dialects that different Southern American countries have in Spanish. Um, and that's full of quirks and he sort of says like, oh, I don't know, the word for Coke can is the word for for uh, male genitalia in, in another, you know, country and you can really embarrass yourself. I just love the, I just love the quirks and the sort of, insights and you you really feel like you're kind of looking through the window into the country yes and these are the things you don't pick up in your textbook correct quite, quite rightly because i think if you did have those in your in a beginner's textbook then people would open the book and never come back to any lessons because <laughs> it's got to be it's got to be easy but uh, i think all the extra bits are they are there to really make the language exciting then 
Yes, yeah, and it, I mean, it can be the littlest thing, like a Parkscheiber, it's, it's a little thing, uh, but it just gives you that little bit of German flavour, so I love that. Right, Angelica, can I invite you to participate in a little uh, part of my podcast that I call the Tips of the Week? Right. <laughs> and basically, what, what I do is, whenever I have a podcast guest, I give you the honour of choosing one of three tips of the week that I have put together. So I'm going to read out what these three different tips are, and they are um, different language learning tips, different ways that you can perhaps engage with language learning in a new way or a quirky way. Um, and you get to pick your favourite and say why it's your favourite. Oh, that's that's a lot better. I thought you wanted me to do one. one. I thought, oh, no, I can't think of anything now. <laughs> no, I've prepared them for you. <laughs> OK, okay so three tips of the week. And Angelica will go and choose her favourite for us today. Tip one, read cereal packets, clothing labels and anything you can get um, on the Language Surfer blog. Ron, who writes this uh, really wonderful blog, um, recommended just a lot of new and interesting places where you can get... Um, original and native language content and as part of that food labels, clothing labels and anything that might have a word in foreign on it, it becomes your new language learning environment so read whatever you can in a foreign language. Number two, discover foreign culture at home. Find your local Oktoberfest, join the Chinese New Year celebrations or throw it all out at the Notting Hill Carnival to hear more natural language, boost your motivation and get involved in the culture without having to travel. And tip number three is use Eurovision to learn your target language. And that's a tip from Coco the Polyglot, um, who I think is Swedish or Danish. And um, Coco was writing about the early rounds of the Eurovision Song Contest, or as um, this American that I, I we met a few years ago, he put it so wonderfully, he said, it's the best song in Europe, honey. <laughs> So the Eurovision Song Contest, and you can make this your personal language learning experience by looking up the lyrics to the songs in your target language, using the lyrics to reinforce new vocabulary and phrases. You can add the new words to an SRS like Anki or Memrise, and then you can even watch the whole Eurovision Song Contest with commentary in your target language. How cool is that? So those are our three tips. Number one, read whatever you can, including food, clothing and anything you can get. Tip number two, discover foreign culture at home by participating in events. Or tip number three, use Eurovision to learn your target language. What do you think? I think number one, I, my, my, my mind went into overdrive as soon as you said it. I had this vision, because everybody nowadays has got smartphones. Mm -hmm. I had this vision of, of people going shopping and whether they actually buy the things or not. Oh, must quickly take a picture of this so I can have a read later on. Uh, you know, trying on some clothes uh, in, in, in the changing room and then realising some German on there. So quickly take a picture of the label <laughs> and, and, and then either buy the item or not buy the item. And then when you go home, uh, check on your phone again and put into Evernote or whatever and uh, uh, then pick up on all the vocabulary. Mm -hmm. It I could make shopping very long, though. <laughs> But it will also get you to a bunch of new shops, like your local, perhaps Chinese or Spanish bodega, or your, you know, your local, the cultural sections. I mean, Sainsbury's here in the UK, they're very rich and multicultural now. You can get things in Hindi as well as, or food, you know, labeled in Hindi as well as Chinese as well as Polish. 
Yes, absolutely. So, so yeah, the, the, here they have quite a few of of the um, Polish Isles as well. And uh, so, if you go around with your camera and take all the pictures of them, and then you can um, peruse at your leisure when you get back home. Mm. So this is our tip of the week, and in the show notes, I'm also going to link to the Language Surfer blog article, um, which is all about reading cereal packets, clothing labels, and anything that you can get in your foreign language. I think it's a brilliant idea. I, I, I actually used to, I remember I used to do this so much. I used to, my mom used to say, Jesus, will you stop reading over breakfast? And it was, it was I didn't really read anything except I have to happen to have the cereal box in front of me or like the half a flock and, you know, the oats that in Germany yeah. I used to eat. <laughs> and then I... sometimes they have the writing on in Spanish and I just stared at these words and go, okay, which bit is the German bit? Because <laughs> you have an original, you have your native language translation next to it as well if it's ingredients list. So it's very convenient. It's, it's, I, I seem to be doing this the other way around now. If I ever do find any German instructions on an English packet... Uh, I always read it and then cringe when they made mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. So maybe lists are better than full sentences. <laughs> this could be the next tip then, isn't it? Find any mistakes. Yeah, and correct them. Mm. Oh yeah, and then that would be a great thing to kind of share on, you know, you, you could have a whole Instagram or a Tumblr or something like that about that. Just silly translations. I've got a book somewhere about... Um, you know uh, the, the translations that sometimes you see in Chinese in China and Japan. Oh, yeah. So Far East Asian sometimes have, have really just the most hilarious um, things written in English, um, which are accidental translations. It's just funny. Yes, exactly. So that's 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 that could be an additional tip, or it could be tip B, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes, tip B. So tip of the week: read cereal packets. Tip. 1B, if that's too easy for yeah. you, find the errors. <laughs> it's exactly. brilliant. Angelica, can you tell me where people can find you online and kind of connect with you? I know I connect with you on Twitter. Yes, I'm on Twitter. On Twitter, I'm German tutor with a, um, who was it, underscore between German and tutor. Angelica'sGerman.co.uk is my website and uh, I also have a page on Facebook uh, with Angelica's German. What's your Udemy course called, Angelica? (laughs) It's called Beginner's German for Busy People, for Business or Holidays. And who would it be suitable for? Just anyone Uh, or beginners, I guess? Absolute beginners. It, um, It started off actually as an email challenge. Uh, it was a 30-day email challenge, and it was aimed, which I did last year, and it was aimed at people who um, were going or were thinking of going to Germany either for a holiday or for business, but did not speak a single word of German. Excellent. And don't want to know much about grammar either. There's hardly any grammar involved in it. And that is an achievement for you. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check it out. Actually, I think that sounds really interesting, and see if I can recommend it to some of my students as well who you know who are traveling very very soon because mm, I, I think always yes grammar of course is very very important but i think for an absolute beginner grammar is or well, most absolute beginners uh, grammar is is the one bit that they're really scared of yes and that's so correct i always teach grammar a little bit later mm-hmm. so that 
just to get used to the language first of all and then later on you can start explaining things and I will see grammar as a shortcut. You can learn a language parrot fashion if you wanted to, in theory, completely, um, but the grammar will give you the shortcuts. Yes, I agree with that and I often say to people that you know you can you can learn sentences but if you're actually learning the grammar then you will be able to make sentences rather than just repeat sentences. Yeah, I always compare it to driving your car and knowing how to change a tyre. Now, I, I, for the love of me, can't change a tyre, but that doesn't stop me from driving my car. If I can change a tyre, things would go a bit quicker when I had a puncture. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so it's, it's a bit like the grammar. Not quite, but it's a bit like it. Yeah. Because you, yeah, you, you can learn a language the long way by literally learning everything parrot fashion. But if you learn the grammar, like the cases in German, for example, um, you then begin to realise that actually if I do this, then that happens and then it goes a bit quicker. Yeah, and you get that beautiful moment of going, ah, that makes exactly. sense now. And I, oh, I live for those moments. They're great. As I mean, in, in my German teaching. <laughs> okay, how much does your course cost? And can I, can I tempt you to give the discount code for the fluent people? Um, I can make a discount code. Yes, please. You want me to make one? Um, you will have to wait for a bit for that now. <laughs> okay. Oh, actually, but the, oh, hang on, how does that work? Because, of course, the, oh, I can just give you just the, the code word and then I can make it later on, couldn't I? That's correct. But, yeah, actually, if you just want to add fluent and I'll make up a code, uh, the, normally the course is, th oh, hang on, oh, I've just gone to the price and coupons now, uh, $39, for, uh, sorry, $49, but I can make it for the fluent people for 10 How's $10, that? $10, that's amazing, $10, uh, £6.50 if you're in, in Britain-ish, £6.50-ish. Thereabouts, yeah. Yeah, an absolute bargain for 30 days of uh, beginner's German if, especially if you've got a trip coming up or you just want to, you know, just want to get yourself holiday or business trip ready, you know, and just forget about the grammar, get with the German, you know, you've got to start somewhere. So you might as well start there, $10, it's nothing. So absolutely amazing, brilliant. So code fluent. Yeah. I am writing it down right now. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so we recommend Angelica's German .co.uk, that's Angelica's blog, where you can read all about Parkscheiben and a lot of other things that, you know, German has got to offer. Um, and you can also book Angelica for lessons. Are you booked out at the moment or are you still taking students? Um, if students wanted a lesson every week, then I'm struggling to book them in. But um, if they wanted... Uh, less frequent lessons, I can still take bookings, yes. Ah, you heard it here first. And otherwise, if you are busy and you just want to start learning by yourself, then look in the show notes and I'm going to include a $10, that's a nearly 80% discount, I think, of Angelica's course, Beginner's German for Busy People for Business or Holidays. All right, thank you very much, Angelica, and goodbye. Tschüss. Tschüss.
Thanks for listening to the Creative Language Learning Podcast, guys. Don't forget to subscribe and to rate the podcast in iTunes or on Stitcher. That's always very much appreciated. If you have any feedback or you've got any questions, you can email me, Kirsten, K-E-R-S-T-I-N, at fluentlanguage.co.uk, or you can find me on Facebook, Fluent Language Tuition, or on Twitter, at Kirsten Hammers, that is K-E-R-S-T-I-N, H-A-M-M-E-S. <laughs>